Hey everybody, welcome to the Crush Hail Academy podcast. I am your host, Bob Argyle. Welcome to episode seven, where today we're going to talk about the path. But first, I'm back in New York. I had a great week down in the South, down in the dirty South. Uh, it was a good job opportunity for me. But I will say this, I'm happy to be back in New York. Um, the weather was great down there, and I was actually able to get out and walk and enjoy the weather a little bit. was able to get my jogs in. Um, it was nice. I'm not going to brag, but it was like 70 degrees and sunny. So it was nice to experience that, but I will say I'm happy to be back home, back in the friendly confines of my office where I can do these podcasts in peace without the little kid busting out the spoon that grandma beat you with. Um, that will make zero sense to you unless you listened to last week. But anyways, so it's nice to be back. Actually, this past week, what we did, um, every year, Dylan and Bobby and I look forward to the opening day at MBT Bank Stadium right here in Syracuse. This year, they're the AAA affiliate for the New York Mets. Up until now, they've been uh, the Nationals AAA affiliate. So that was a little different. The Mets are definitely a bigger draw than the Nationals were, so it was uh, much more crowded. But we don't really go to the park for the sport of it. Now, Bobby plays baseball. Dylan plays softball. Um, I followed the Yankees personally, and uh, so we all have a connection to the sport. But really with the park, this park over the past five years or so has kind of become sacred ground to us. The fifth straight year making an opening day. I take them out of school a little bit early. Uh, they look forward to this day. And it's just a nice experience for us. It signifies that summer's on its way. And it's a start to the season. And we really enjoy it. But really the the purpose of, of doing this with my kids is I enjoy... Um, taking some time out. This park has always been a place that we can step into when craziness is going on outside the park where it's it's peaceful. And no matter what's going on in our lives, we can step inside this park and enjoy a brief two to three hours together talking about really nothing of importance. We talk about video games. We talk about our plans coming up. Uh, this game always comes about, I think, like two weeks before spring break. So usually the topic of conversation is our upcoming uh, vacation to the Outer Banks for spring break. They're very excited about that. We eat hot dogs and cotton candy, and we pay attention to the game. Uh, big draw this year is Tim Tebow is on the AAA affiliate of the Mets, so they were excited to see him play. Um it was a little cold. It definitely was not the 73 degrees that I was just in down in uh, South Carolina, but it was a good time. And so for those of you that are a little discouraged that Mother Nature is hanging on to this a little longer than we would hope, um, summer's on the way. It is. I just witnessed it. I saw it. It's down South Carolina. It's just working its way up to us, so it'll be here in no time. Before you know it, you'll be sitting on a beach with a frosty beverage in your hand, in front of a bonfire, some good music on, enjoying yourself. Summer will be here. So I just wanted to pass that on to you. But it was a cool experience for us. And it's something that we enjoy doing every year. 
And uh, it's kind of a cool tradition. It's become a tradition. It's become something that the kids look forward to. And who knows? I don't know how many more years they're going to want to go and do this with me. Before I know it, man, Dylan's going to be in college. Bobby's, yeah. So I I don't really know. All I know is right now, I'm going to enjoy it every year that I can. And maybe some year, they'll bring their kids to the park. So if you haven't gone to MBT, if you're in the Syracuse area, uh, go check it out. It's cheap. It's like 10 bucks a ticket. Um, the snacks and stuff, they don't gouge you with that. So it's it's just a cool experience. Um, so I recommend you go check it out. But now we're going to move into today's topic, which is um, the path. So um, the first part of this series, we talked about the problem that body shops face, right? You should be able to literally recite this back to me by now. So I'm not going to just go all the way back through it. But we talked about the problem. What body shops face when they're considering who to partner with as far as a PDR provider goes. Series, uh, The second part of the series, we talked about the possibility. And the possibility was really um, nothing more than if, if I gave you this system, our DentSmart Ready system, and it was able to come in and do what I'm telling you it's able to do um, and take 99% of your problems away in the days and months following a hailstorm. How would this affect your business? What is the possibility? And we talked through that and we identified some of those things, how that's going to help a body shop's business by utilizing a system like this. Last week, we moved into the path. And the path was really nothing more than what our system is. So I described the system. I introduced the DentSmart Ready system to our listeners. So this week, we're going to talk about the pitch. And I call it the pitch. It's not really a pitch, but I, I call it the pitch because this is the part of the conversation where I, if I'm meeting with a, a prospective client and I've run them through everything, I've introduced the system to them, this is the part of the conversation where we have to just kind of sit back and we have to decide if we are a fit to work together because I don't work with every shop out there. That's not our business model. Okay, I could not provide our services for every shop out there. So our business model is to identify the shop that we want to work with in certain areas of the region that we cover to basically ensure that we're going to have a partner in as many areas of the state as possible if hail comes through. That's 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 our business model. We need to have relationships in place. Um, with good shops, um, shops that appreciate the work that we've done to bring this system to them, all right, and see value in this. Um, those are the shops that we want to work with, and we want to have as many of them as we can around the state of New York so that we're prepared and we have um, basically we get invited to the party if a hailstorm blows through that community, right? So, this is the time that we sit down and we talk with them to see if we're a fit. So it's kind of ironic that we're moving into this part of the series, literally the week that I just got back from working for one of the largest automobile manufacturers in the world. Because as I sat there in this facility, they kind of joke about it that we're, we're in a beehive, right? Everybody has a role to play. 
Everybody has something that they bring to the table, and it's no matter how small that job might seem to the person doing it, it's important to the entire process. And every once in a while, we would see as I'm sitting there. Let me give you. Let me give you just an idea of what I was this the the situation that I was in last week. First and foremost, they were 12 hour shifts working in this manufacturing plant. Okay, and for confidential confidentiality reasons, spit it out, Bob. Um, I can't name the company. All right, that's that's a commitment I made to them when I started working with them. So just picture a big, massive plant, and it's probably about the size of, I mean, it was miles from one end to the other of this plant. It was amazing. It really was. I've never seen anything like it. So it was just massive. So I show up to the plant. First thing I have to do is I have to go through security. So there's a security check. There was uh, security checks that they had to do before I even made the trip there. Then once I get there, I have to uh, meet with security. I have to get a badge so that I'm allowed on the property. After that, I have to lug my tools about a half a mile to our workstation where I have to get set up. It's shift change, so you got people leaving. I'm coming in on the new shift um, with other contractors like me. And we need to get set up in a very short period of time so that when um, the line starts back up, we're ready to go. So when I walk in, I'm introduced to a guy. Um, He was a different dude. Super good guy. Um, He was Russian. So, uh, but not that that matters. (laughs) But... um, you know, he just had an interesting take on the world and on life. And as I, I worked with him um, over the days, over the hours there, um, I got to know him and he was a really cool dude. But the thing I noticed about him is he was very, uh, he had some OCD tendencies. And at first it caught me off guard, but as the line started up and as I started to see how this situation unfolds and how fast these cars come down uh, the the conveyor belt or the line, um, it was amazing. It was really amazing the system this guy had. So I'm looking at his tool cart and the, the work that we're doing was what we call hammer and dolly. So it had a little dent, um, near one of the edges of the panel. Um, they were coming off with these imperfections coming out of the, out of production with these imperfections. So the shop does not want to shut that line down. By shutting that line down, that's going to cost them a lot more money in production and in profit than to pay us, guys like us, to just fix them as they're continuing to move down the line and as they're continuing to try to uh, fix the issue to keep the dents from coming back. So um, as they come down, I'm looking at his tool cart and he's got these, these pucks. He's got his dolly. All right. It's a little square dolly. And he's got a hammer sitting right next to him. There was also a little bit of glue pole repair that we were doing on it. So he had four glue pucks in a perfect line. Next to that line, he had a little spray bottle of alcohol, which if you don't know, we use that to take the glue off the car and to take the glue off the pucks. So he had that sitting there. Then he had next to that his tapper. And then... uh, 
he had two towels. Made it very clear. One towel was for the car. One towel was if you needed it for uh, to clean the pucks, to wipe your hands, whatever. But you could not use the, the towel for your hands on the car because you run the risk of scratching the paint. This is fresh paint on these vehicles, so you got to be very careful. And I was like, wow, this is, this is pretty intense, right? And he was adamant that everything stayed in place. Now, we have these light boards, too, that we use to kind of reference the damage. So it's just envision a light board that um, projects light onto the damaged area, and it, it just kind of allows you to see the dent a little easier. But the light sits on what we call a gooseneck, and then it's got... Um, a suction cup at the end of it so you can affix this board to the part of the car that you're working on all right it's battery powered there's no cords to it or anything so this is these are tools of our trade this is what we use to repair these dents all right so as I'm looking at it I noticed that the gooseneck was situated just so in a, in a certain way that was going to allow that board as these cars are coming down the line he didn't even have to mess with the board he just literally had to stick it in the same place on that car because the dents were always in the same spot so he's like i want this board literally stuck right to this part of the car this is going to allow me to see it as they're coming down and what we do is we take turns so for a couple hours, one guy would actually do the repairs. The other guy would make sure, his his only responsibility was to make sure that the board was taken off, the light board was taken off the car he just fixed. You run down the line, you put the light board on the car so it's ready to go on the next one coming. While that technician is fixing the vehicle, you run over to the cart, you're cleaning pucks, you're making sure that there's, the glue is off the pucks, because these, these glue pole pucks, if they aren't clean, they don't get a good stick. So if that car is coming down and the guy that's actually doing the repairs turns to grab one of those pucks and it's got the glue on it still, it's not going to stick to the car. Then that vehicle keeps going, right? Then we're chasing this car down the line because we weren't prepared. We didn't have that puck clean perfectly situated so he just had to glance over really quick and grab it put some glue on it stick it on the car pull it and then move on to the next one so one little misstep could really create a lot of chaos right so it took me a couple hours to get used to this it was a little different in the beginning because I'm a dent guy that's, that's what I do. I want to fix, right? I don't want to sit there and clean pucks and make sure the towel's clean and <laughs> make sure the, the bottle of alcohol is filled. We also had the, the guy that's um, taking care of the person repairing the vehicles. Um, there's a sheet with a pen and you just have to write down a serial number of every car that you fix so you can turn that in at the end of your shift. So that was another task that I had to do because these cars are moving so quickly um, if you forget to write a number and then you remember it like 20 seconds later, that thing's already down the line and it's already in somebody else's workstation. So you're literally running up and you're messing their workstation up because they've got their part of the job. The actual workers in the plant have their part of the job they need to do. So it just, it literally messes everything up. And I, I was amazed by the system after I took some time 
And after I started to get used to it, I finally, I had an opportunity to kind of look around and see the roles that everybody else was playing. Six, over 600 cars a shift run down this line through a 12-hour shift. But I, so it's, it's cool. And I began to notice it was kind of like a symphony, all working together at the same time. Everybody had their job that they were doing. And no matter how small the role might have felt to that person, it was extremely important to the overall success of the system. And they'd have a break, like every three hours, they'd get a break and everybody would, the, the line would shut down for five minutes and everybody would run out to grab a soda or a snack or have a smoke or whatever it is. Then they'd rush back in and they had to be set up and ready to go when that line turned back on. It was really impressive to see it. So after I got my bearings and I started to have a chance to look around, I noticed the station behind me. One guy was standing there, and these, these cars would come into his station, one after the other. His only job was to open up the back lift gate that wasn't latched and open the strikers on the door, on this lift gate. Okay, The striker is basically the metal piece that when you slam the door or when you shut the, any door on a vehicle, it hooks and it holds the door secure. All right. So those were coming down to him closed. So what he had to do was open the back, open up those little strikers, and then shut it so the door was secure. That was it. That was his only job. Then it would move on to us where we would do our thing. And it would continue to move down the line to the next station. And I, as I'm sitting and I'm watching the next station, there were four people on this station one person's sole job, literally their only job, was to take a piece of paper that had some serial numbers and some pertinent information on the vehicle. Their sole job was to take that and tape it to the quarter panel of the vehicle. That was it. It's pretty crazy. The person next to them, their job was to jump inside the vehicle and they, these vehicles had moonroofs inside. And if you're familiar with a vehicle, if you have a vehicle with a moonroof, you'll see the weather stripping, like the rubber molding that goes around the inside of the sunroof. So one person would have to jump in the car and they had the solution that they would wipe around um, basically the, the, the inside lip of this, this opening. And this would allow the person that was actually putting this rubber molding piece on there, it would allow it to slip on easier. All right. So if the one person didn't put this, whatever the heck it was that they were wiping on there, if they didn't put the solution on there, the other person was going to have a hard time putting the actual weather stripping on. All right. So everybody had a role to play, and it was amazing to see how fast these guys were going. And it was kind of kind of different. I, as we looked down, one of the guys had been there for a while. So he knew there was uh, this one elderly woman that was on this station. And he's like, oh, man, she's up again. He's like, well, here's what we do for her. When we see that she's up down there, um, we unhook these little... Um, they have bungee cords around the side doors, okay, to keep the doors from opening on the line. But 
knowing this was the exact point that this vehicle was on the next station was going to need those doors open so this lady, this elderly woman, could jump into the car to be able to wipe down that threshold, he said, what we do for her is we just unlatch these two straps. So she doesn't have to do that. And as the car would come down to her, that was one less part of the one less piece that she had to do. Now she didn't have to unhook those before she could jump in. She could just open the door and she could jump in, which I thought was was really cool to help this woman out. And she was hustling. She didn't need it. Let me tell you that. She did not need it. This woman, 70 years old, she was hopping into this car um, she, like an athlete. <laughs> Much quicker than I could have done it, put it that way. But it was just, it was something cool that our technicians that we were working with wanted to do because they identified that this woman was getting up there in years and anything that we could do to help her. Um, and she appreciated it. And it was one less thing, one less chance to, to gum up the process because we'd be sitting there and all of a sudden the line would shut down, which was great for us because we could catch our breath. I could have a drink of water, something while I waited. But we'd kind of chuckle because we knew somewhere in this building, <laughs> somebody had gummed up the system. Somebody had a misstep, right? And it shuts the whole line down. But as, as I'm sitting there, and these days, all I think about is our Dent Smart Ready system. All I think about are the benefits that this brings to a body shop. And I was relating what I was seeing to the importance of our system. Now, picture it this way. You've got all these cars. You're in a, a, a plant, a manufacturing plant. And you've got all these cars coming one after the other. It's kind of the same thing in a hail scenario. You have, If you don't have systems in place when you have a hail event, and all of a sudden these cars are just continuing to come down the line, if everybody in your shop and if every contractor that you're working with doesn't know what their part of the process is, doesn't know what's expected of them, things can go south real quick. It shuts down production and it starts to affect other areas of your business, right? So this is why when I'm sitting down, I'm always grateful for an opportunity to meet with a shop, but I go into the meeting knowing that this isn't about selling, right? This isn't about me um, giving away the farm or giving away a, a high facility fee or anything like that. That's not what the meeting is about. The meeting is about sitting down with that body shop owner, laying out what our system is and, and seeing if he sees value in it. And if he sees value in it, then we move on to whether or not we're a fit to work together because you need to have the buy-in from the body shop owner all the way down through the rest of his business, all of his, all of his other employees, right? So a lot of times once they say to us, yeah, you know, this looks like it is something we want to move forward with, we then move on to taking that process over. We then sit down with the employees and we train the employees um, with the owner's direction, but we try to take as much of that process off of his or her plate so that they can continue to focus on their business. That's what this whole system is designed to do, to allow you to continue focusing on your core business. So we have a shop down downstate New York, down in the Monticello area. Um, 
we have over 200 shops throughout the state of New York that we currently partner with. In addition to that, though, we have some insurance company relationships. So every year, we'll have our own shops that we're servicing, but we'll get insurance partners that will call us every year and say, hey, uh, this storm down here, I know you are in shop X, Y, and Z, but we have a relationship with this shop over here, and we're directing our customers over here so we can write them and then they can go wherever they want. But it's easier for the insurance company to have all of their customers come to one spot when there's hail so they can write all the cars up. So what they'll do is they'll call us in and say, hey, can you come over here and help us write these vehicles? So this happened to us last year. We were down in the Monticello, New York area. There was a big, nasty, nasty hailstorm. Okay. So we had six shops that are year-round clients of ours, that we were already set up in, we were already servicing. We get a call from one of our insurance partners and they say, look, we are over at this shop and we want you to come down here. This is the shop we've elected to write our claims up at. Uh, Come down and give us a hand writing these up. Not a problem. So we show up down there. I show up with three of my techs and we spent the entire first week just writing cars. That's all we did. With the insurance company. So these customers would show up. We'd greet the customer with the insurance rep. And we'd walk around the car. And we'd see what we can fix. We'd we'd identify parts of the vehicle that maybe had broken paint. Or maybe the the damage was too heavy. And it was uh, uh, like a monetary thing. Like, yeah, we could probably fix that panel. But the insurance company can replace that panel for cheaper. So we're going to kick this panel. So there were a number of conversations we had on every single car. And the owner of this body shop, who I didn't know, um, seemed like a very nice guy. And he was in on the entire process with us. So as the car would come in, we'd say, okay, these are the panels we can fix. Um, We're going to have to push for paint the roof because the roof is not going to fix back to completion. And uh, you want to kick those fenders there to the body shop because you can replace them cheaper. So we'd have all these conversations and the body shop owner was in on this. So we spent the entire first week. We got through over 100 vehicles for this insurance partner of ours. And we would schedule them out into this body shop for two months down the road. So the, the the idea of this initial visit was just to let the customer know that we, we realize you have hail. Yes, we're going to cover it. This is the game plan we're putting in place to repair the vehicle. This is the date we can get you in to get it, get it repaired. And after all that was done, the insurance company cut the checks to the body shop. And the insurance company moved on because we had a plan in place. So that following Monday, we were to show up and begin actually fixing the cars. So once we showed up, I show up with my techs, it became very clear to us very early on in the process that this body shop owner had no plan to stick to um, the process that we had just discussed the week prior. So we started finding that he didn't want to fix the stuff that he had agreed to fix it came out that he wasn't he had no desire to do any of this. He just basically sat through the week prior because he wanted the business, but he did not want to do the actual repairs. It was a smaller shop and I feel for the guy. It was a smaller shop and there was only 
I think he had two other employees, and this damage was nasty. It, it was not a full PDR storm. It was what we call a combination storm. So every car had work that needed to be repaired conventionally, had panels that needed to be repaired conventionally, and it had panels that we could fix through the paintless dent repair process. Every single car, I think out of all those 100 cars that we wrote, there might have been five that were full PDRs. So that's how bad this was. But all of a sudden, we found out he didn't want to do that. He didn't care. He wanted us to fix everything, although we couldn't fix everything, number one. Number two, we had just told our insurance partner that we would defer certain panels because it didn't make sense for the insurance partner to pay us to fix them. And it's at the end of the day, it's the insurance company's checkbook. So we were put in a spot. We were put in a really hard spot, but it's my nature because I had my insurance partner that had put their faith and trust in us. And because we had this new body shop client that it's always my intention to do a really good job. So they'll ask us back to the next hailstorm. What do you think I did? <laughs> I was like, okay, let's figure out a way to do this because I want to help you. I want to help you out in this process. So he just said, well, all the stuff that I'm supposed to fix, I want you guys to just push that for paint. Get it as close as humanly possible as you can. And I was like, well, we've already kicked these because they're not going to look good. That's, but that's that's okay with this guy. Well, that's all right. If you can leave me a, f a few spots that I got to skim, I'll go ahead and I'll skim them and we'll be good with that. So I never should have done this, but I went along with it and I said, you know what? We're going to try to help this guy out. He's in a pickle here. Let's see what we can do for him. So then we start tackling the panels that we weren't supposed to be touching, all right? And did the best we could, tried to get them better. But what inevitably happens is then he wants them done even better than that. So we say, so now we're saying, well, look, we weren't supposed to fix them in the first place. Then you asked us to just push these panels for paint and get them close for you. Now we're back at this part of the discussion where you're expecting us to completely repair these, which they aren't able to be completely repaired. So now you're putting us in a situation where you're continuing to move the ball, right? He's continuing to kind of keep asking us to do a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And the problem with this is whether my technician is doing a, quote, push for paint or a complete PDR repair it's not like the money varies too much because he's still sitting on that panel for a very long time doing much harder work than he's used to doing. So the money's a little less, but it's not a lot less. It's like 20% less for a push for paint. We write the panel up like we could fix it and then we knock 20% off. So it's not a huge drastic difference there, right? So this body shop owner, then he's coming to us saying, well, you're only pushing it for paint, so I should only pay you this much on this. So now he's starting to mess with the numbers as well. Basically, the moral of this is he did not want to follow the system that all three of us, the insurance company, him and me, put in place to get these vehicles fixed. He just wanted to say what he had to say to the insurance company, get back to doing what he was doing, and all of a sudden put it all on us. And he would tell us, 
I'd hear it all the time. Oh, I know insurance. I know PDR companies that can fix this stuff. Really? Uh, I beg to differ. There's nobody that's fixing this stuff because the damage was that bad. These cars were destroyed. They had broken paint. Um, it was not a good storm for us as a PDR company. And he just wanted to kind of put all that work on us and cut our prices down when we were pretty much doing the same amount of work. So it was a mess. It was an absolute mess. And we ended up pulling out. Because here's the thing. All this talk about systems, right? Whose system do you think this was jamming up? Mine. My system. Because what this did for me was because this one guy didn't want to do his part, didn't want to do what was required of him. It was jamming up every other shop that I had. It was affecting my system now, right? Because I had eight other shops that were doing all the right things, that were having a very good experience with the technicians that I had put in there. Luckily, our system allows for me to put a, what we call a storm leader in each of these. So they had management in place. They had a management structure in place. But I still wanted to get in there and visit with these guys and check on everybody else, make sure my technicians had what they needed to have and, and you know, uh, paperwork was done and checks were being cut on time. But I was devoting all of my time and energy to this shop. And it was jamming up my system. And it was jamming up the systems for other shops. Because I wasn't providing them the best possible experience because I was preoccupied. So that's why it, the system makes all the difference. And everybody needs to buy in. So I thanked him for his time. And I said, we are just not a fit to work together. Because you are asking us to do certain things that we cannot do. No PDR company can do. And it's not fair that you're putting that on us. We had a system... We had a discussion. There was a whole process in place. We've already talked about all this stuff. And now you are changing it. You're not sticking to the game plan. So at this point, we have no other option than to pull out and move on. And every other shop that we had respected the system. They saw value in the system. They knew that there was a reason why we had our, quote, Dent Smart Ready system. Because it works. It works for 1,600 body shops around the country. So... These guys that were honoring the system and were doing their part and allowing us to do our part were moving quite nicely. And all of them remained clients. We even picked up two new shops that the insurance company introduced us to, and we did such a good job for them. Now we're getting their work on an annual basis, monthly basis. Okay. So the moral of this is it's got to be a fit for everybody. Not every shop is going to see value in this. And that's cool. That's fine. We're just not a fit to work together. So this is kind of what we talk about when we meet with these shops and we sit down with them and we, we run them through everything. And then we, we ask them if they see value in it. If that shop answers yes, then what we do is we move on with the implementation of this system. We implement the Densmart Complete Hail Management System. All right. Um, we give our, our clients access to our online trading portals. 
our scheduling portals. Uh, we're coming out with uh, Dent Smart University, which is really, really cool. Dent Smart University is going to be an online training platform where insurance adjusters, body shop owners, technicians can all go on and find up-to-date training on paintless dent repair on hail management and do it on their schedule when it works for them. So they get access to that. They get priority service. So basically what priority service is, is if there's a hailstorm and you have partnered with us, we get you situated first. Before we go and we look for any other business anywhere else, our obligation to you is to come in, get your shop staffed, get you all set up and ready to go. And if and only if we get that done, then do we go out into the community and try to find other shops. They aren't our priority. You are. If you've partnered with us, you're our priority. You enjoy emergency service. Uh, you get the official DentSmart partnering facility plaque for your shop that's going to let insurance companies know that you are partnered with a reputable hail provider. You get all the marketing materials and the estimated tools. You get the training so you can start really pushing paintless dent repair all year round. So we give you the estimating tools and the scheduling tools that you need for that. All of our insurance partners are notified that we are now partnering with you. Okay. So this is everything that you get if a body shop owner says, yes, I see value in this. I want to move forward with you. Now, what happens if they say, hey, this is great, but I just want to go it alone? That's totally fine. I'm going to actually leave you with all the information that we just went through. I'm going to leave you with the questions that you need to be having with your provider, the, the conversations that you need to be having with your provider. So you can then turn around and at the very least go to them and say, look, just had a meeting with this company. These are the things that they said that I need to address with you. And if I can help you in that capacity, if I can give you um, all the materials that you need still, that's fine. That's a win for me because that's what we're all about. We want to do the best job possible for our partners, but we also understand that not everybody's going to want to partner with us. But if we can still help you to better manage hail, that's what we want to do. All right. And we're totally fine doing that. And maybe down the road, this will keep the door open. Maybe you will call us in a hail event. Maybe something does happen with your, your provider and he does let you down. So then you're looking for somebody. So if we can be the backup, that's fine. We're totally cool doing that. Not a big deal. So if I can leave you with anything here, I just want to stress the importance of if it's not our Dent Smart Ready system, having your own system in place, having your own conversations with whoever it is that you deal with. Do yourself a favor. Like we talked about, much in the same way that you put insurance policies in place, life insurance, fire insurance, uh, all this garage liability, all these other insurances that you put in place to cover you in your time of need, do the same thing with hail. If you don't want to take PDR to the next level year round, at the very least, have a conversation with somebody so you've got... You know you're, you're somebody's priority in the event of hail. Because when hail comes in, right, it's like that factory setting. These cars keep coming. <clears throat> so if everybody's not on the same page, 
And if everybody doesn't know what their role is, it's going to get out of hand very quickly. So do yourself a favor and just have a conversation with somebody. You can always reach out to me. You can call me direct. I'm more than happy to have a 30-minute conversation with you over the phone. And it might not end with us partnering together. But if we can still have a conversation and I can answer your questions, I'm more than happy to do that. So you can always call me at 315-266-7002. That's my cell phone. Or shoot me a text if that's easier. Let me know who you are. Let me know that you'd like to have a, um, a discussion, whether by phone or I can come out and I can sit down with you at the shop. Or maybe you just want to hammer some questions off to me. Just shoot them off and I'll do my best to answer them for you. All right, so the other resources that we have, as a reminder, robertargyle.com. I'm just getting ready to put up my next blog today, um, which is going to be a good one. We've got a blog coming out on iCar, um, and we've got a blog coming out on audit-proofing your shop. So look for those. That's at robertargyle.com. This site is basically just meant to help body shops if they're looking for more information on proper hail management. So it's 100% geared towards body shop owners and managers looking for more info on hail management. You can go to that. You can go to my Facebook page, um, not my personal. You're probably just going to see pictures of my kids on there, and you might not give a crap about that. So go to, instead of Robert Argyle at Facebook, go to Robert E. Argyle at Facebook. You see what I did there? Yeah, I'm pretty sharp tack. So you can go to the Robert E. Argyle at Facebook. And if you know anybody who might see value in this podcast, I would ask that you share this up. So for everybody that is not in the industry, you will probably be happy to hear that I'm probably going to be done talking specifically about hail, at least for the next couple weeks. Because I've got some other stuff brewing that I really want to talk about as well. So I'm going to move on to that. All right. So I appreciate you guys joining us for this four-part series. For Body Shop Owners, I hope this has brought some clarity to you um, to help you kind of get your hands around this. If I leave you with anything, it's it might not be our plan, our system, but have one in place so you're prepared. Because you're going to be ready, you're going to set yourself apart from your competitors, and you're going to make a lot more money by having these systems in place. All right, Establish yourself as the expert PDR facility in your community. That's the first and probably the most important thing that you can do. Any questions other than that, again, 315-266-7002. That is my cell phone. Give me a shout. All right, and I'd be happy to help. So thank you again for listening to the Crush Hail Academy podcast. I am your host, Bob Argyle. Make a great day. 